Did you guys know that the first interstate highway was built right here in St. Louis? And since that illustrious build, Missouri drivers continue to waste our time in the passing lane. Really. St. Louis is a special place. When you drive here down 44, 55, 70, 64, or other interstates in the proper lane, be sure to check out explorestl.com to book your hotel, get some good eats, go to a concert, and more. On today's episode, we had Travis Thomas. This guy will blow you away. Our conversation dives into not only his soccer background, which is D3 at Principia College over in Illinois, but into a world of mindset challenges that shake up all three of the hosts on our beliefs around confidence and what that really means and how to talk to your kids and how to be a good parent of an athlete. Check out Travis Thomas right now. Ooh, I love this Michael J. Fox song. <laughs> He's awesome. I like when everybody's looking at him like, what did you just play? <laughs> yeah. well, speaking of speaking of Michael J. Fox, uh, we'll go off the rails early. Um, did you see him? He was in he was in uh, London for the BAFTAs, the uh-uh. Academy Award BAFTAs. He surprised everybody came out to give the uh, Best Picture Award. Oh, cool! Rolled out in a wheelchair and then walked the last five or six steps on his own. And really, that's awesome. I mean, he just he looks exactly like Michael P. Keaton. <laughs> Alex P. Keaton, excuse uh, me. Yeah. Michael J. Fox, Alex P. Keaton. <laughs> okay. Uh, any guesses as Nobody to why? Nobody called him chicken, did they? No. <laughs> Yellow. Uh, you guys know why I'm rolling in with Johnny B. Good? Has to do with the last episode, if you listen to it. A little chubby? Uh, no, the Explore. You know how I'm finding all these little tidbits? Yeah. Trivia? Yeah. This is one of my favorite ones I've ever unearthed. Uh... Voyager NASA programs, right? Yep. Voyager 1 and 2. You're talking about the records on the side Golden of Golden records. Yeah. I, you know, I love useless information. I'm really surprised I haven't heard that yet. And so basically what NASA did for Voyager 1 and 2, they pressed these gold records right. that were attached to the fuselages, you know, and so that they could... Not get melted. Well, or if aliens, another life form found us, we, well, we sent up. Yeah, so the capsules come back and those keep going through space. It's not Chubby Checker, dude. It's Chuck Berry, St. Louis's own. I wasn't going <laughs> to. <Yeah. laughs> but I uh, on those two records, I forgot how many songs this was. Uh, 30 r- songs, roughly. Most of them were operatic or symphonies. One rock and roll song was included on the first record, none on the second one, and that is St. Louis's own Chuck Berry, Johnny B. Good. Yep. It's pretty iconic. Take that, lowercase Kansas. <laughs> what you got? You got nothing. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we're here for another episode of Soccer Dad Pod, the capital T, capital H, capital E, Soccer Dad Pod. Uh, really appreciate all the support. Um, do us a favor real quick while you're in the car. Hand the phone to your kid right now. Uh, hit pause and tell them to write a review. We'll read them on air. It's fun. And actually, I don't care how many stars it is. Just toss it up there. We, we like the words. Um, I want to get some thank yous rolling here. Uh, Explore St. Louis. Really appreciate the support you guys are tossing our way. Uh, love what you guys do. 
explorestl.com is actually the best cheat sheet to what to do here. I, I live here and shame on me. I haven't been, I, I never used to use it because like, oh, whatever, I know these neighborhoods. Dude, it's pretty awesome. I think it's, it's so sad sometimes when you talk to people who live in, in great cities, whether it's Detroit or St. Louis or Chicago or LA or New York, people that grew up there and have never experienced the tourist stuff because they think it's just touristy. I was 45 the first time I did a bre- the brewery tour. That's unbelievable. That's Why? It's not unbelievable. It's a fact. It's just what I'm, that's what I'm talking about. There's so many people that do that. And I, I don't, I, I don't understand it because I've done all the touristy things. Um, and you, I well, tell you just, everybody to do it. Well, you just did the touristy thing the other day. Uh, yesterday I did by myself. This is kind of, this is kind of, I'm kind of a loser. Nobody in my family would go. I went down to Forest Park, and I went to the History Museum. Were you by yourself? I was by myself. Oh. And I saw, because I, I, I had to go to the last day of the soccer yeah. exhibit, and, and I got a point B to this. And then I went to Max Local Eats, and I got two mm. burgers by myself, fat guy. Um, they were delicious. You know what I was just floored about the soccer exhibit? They that, had nothing about high school soccer in it. Uh, you told me that, and... I again that's another one of the things that I'm eight minutes from everywhere where we live. I didn't go either. We went on yeah. Saturday and I was excited because we had there were cases of jerseys. Yep. Like three different cases. And in two of the cases, I think there were five one of the cases had five jerseys in it. We've had every one of them except for some guy named Twelman on this show represented in those cases. I don't know who that is. Yeah, I know. That's why I said some guy named Twelman who most people don't have never heard Should of. Should I Google it? Yeah, I would probably. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> search on Explore St. Louis. <laughs> but walking around and, and reading the stories about early days, and I, I learned a lot that I didn't know um, about kind of the, the international side of the game here. Um, it's It was really cool, and I'm, I'm sad that's over, but I hope people got to go see it. Yeah, well, it do, cool. you, do you guys think that, I mean, given City Park, given the new crown jewel, so to speak, and, and the popularity of the exhibit, realistically, somebody's going to pick up well, like a mini version of it. It wasn't like, big. Why wouldn't they? I mean, it was not a huge exhibit. So I, I would think you could probably transport that into a, a, a kind of like the Cardinals did with their Hall of Fame or their, their History Museum in Bush Stadium. They could probably carve out a spot near the stadium or in the stadium and put something like that in there, I think. But who knows? I'm down with that. Uh, want to thank Ambush uh, for their continued support of the show as well. Um, Shelly and P and Locker and crew out there. Uh, get your tickets because there's a couple of home games left. Uh, February 25th, which is literally right, right around the corner here. And then uh, March 17th, these are the next two upcoming home games. Go to stlouisambush.com, get your tickets, take the kids. Again, we've mentioned it before, the coldest aluminum beers. <laughs> <laughs> they are cold, and they have dipping dots for the kiddos. Yeah. All right, Chris, Bill, Pete, thepinnacleloans.com. These guys uh, make a lot of things easy. And I was thinking about something today, like, you know, because we're not a hard sell on this thing. These, are, you know, I really don't want our partnerships to feel pushy. But yeah. when it comes to mortgages, mm-hmm. when it, let me ask you this, Zach. Yeah. When's the best time to find a job? 
when's the best time to find a job? When, when you, you don't have, have one. When, when you, you have when a you job. don't have one. <laughs> or when, actually, when you do have one. <laughs> when you have a job is the yes. best time to find a job. Yeah, when you have one already, that's the best time to find one. Uh, and I'm going to apply that to mortgages. what our boys do. Just get, go in. Okay. Know, know what you can and can't do. Yeah. Because the reality is if you want to sell your house in this market, you're going to sell it. There's no inventory. Put it for sale, sign up. Somebody's going to buy it the next day. So that's my friendly pitch there, which brings us to pinnacle points of the day. Who wants to go first? I, I don't mind. So on Saturday, took uh, Mandy and the boys to the Armory downtown and went to the season two kickoff for City. And there were thousands of people there. <laughs> and I got out of there early enough to where I wasn't stuck in traffic, but I guess it was like an hour long wait to, for some people just to get out of the parking lot wow. really? after it. Because uh, there's only one exit out of the Armory. Um, and it's a stop sign, so you're turning on the van to venter, so you're kind of hosed. Were yeah. all your windows intact on your vehicle? Yep. That's cool. Yeah, all the windows are good. Yeah, it wasn't um, in old St. Charles, dude. <laughs> and I don't drive a pickup <laughs> okay. truck, so uh, nobody thought I had a, a weapon, uh, which is nice. But um, <laughs> so, but it was cool, because the whole team was there. Carnell was there. A lot of the, the staff were there. Um, they had a nice VIP for season ticket holders. Um, Diego uh, gave some FaceTime, I saw, on social yep. media. Uh, yeah, I ran into a couple former guests, Santiago Beltran, uh, Matt Baker, Jim Leaker, your buddy Rick Artime, <clears throat> and a couple others. And Turkey Ricky. Yep. It was just a great event, and I, I think the enthusiasm is still very, very high for the team. So I'm looking forward to Tuesday night's game with CONCACAF um, against Houston and then the season opener on Saturday. So, Well, there you go. Foundry kickoff, armory kickoff. I I know I get them. They, I switch. They're across I mean, the street from each other. Yeah, I mean they're literally a putter away from each other. So it is what it is. Go ahead, Jared. What you got? You know, uh, I'm going to stay on this uh, U.S. soccer MLS um, rift. Uh, more news comes out today that, or just recently, that both MLS and U.S. soccer remain at odds on the format in general for the 2024 U.S. Open Cup. Um, it sounds like um, there's two sides to every story, but the MLS um, in, in U.S. soccer's eyes is holding this competition um, hostage, and, and and there's talks of them canceling the whole um, the whole tournament in general, which is just devastating for for our game domestically here for for what it's grown to. And you know, we have a guest today, and we're going to get into that. Uh, I'm thinking the MLS maybe needs to have more of the yes and mindset versus the <laughs> but no mindset. No, we'll talk later. Yeah. So, um, I mean, what are your thoughts on just in general? Because everything's just rumors. Um, but MLS well, is really pushing back. Well, we've talked about this before. I think this is this is one of those things that was such an unnecessary punch to your own face. They could have just said nothing. Roster who you want. You know, keep keep it what it is. Contro- and I get a part of it is like, oh, you know, it's cost. And, you know, we got to staff the stadiums and all this other stuff. I get all that. But guess what? The Open Cup is our cup. Our cup as a, as a, as a whole, right? Y- taking this pseudo-elitist route, y- for, for what? what? What are you gaining from well, when, when you can... You could literally pull your U15 Academy team up and let them play your Open Cup game. Oh, we lost the first round. Sorry. Okay, now we're going to go back we're and focus now, on everything else. On League's Cup. And then the whole League's Cup mess. Well, that's the thing I don't understand. me with the whole thing. Because the there's, there's Cup, economics involved there. Right. But I, I guess that's my concern is the League's Cup, that was the first year last year, correct? Yes. And so I guess they thought, well, we can't add more 
to the season as far as games because of injury and fatigue and all that. Well, then why did you add the League's Cup? What what was the purpose of the League's Cup? Revenue split. Economics. I mean, that's what it was. Yes. I mean, this is the thing. Garber is proving yet again that he's a businessman, that he's not a soccer guy. Yeah. Because the culture around U.S. Open Cup is way more than this unnecessary headache that are the, these headlines. And, and for me, our USL franchises across our great nation here. Oh, they stand to win. Um, I, well, they don't stand to win if they cancel this thing. I, w- I mean, how yeah. devastating will it be for those USL franchises in the history of our game if, if, if because MLS cannot come together with U.S. soccer or vice versa, if the Open Cup is canceled, it, the USL franchises, that'll can, be terrible I mean, can for you them. imagine... The FA saying, you know, right, we're done with FA Cup. We're going to go a monetary route. We're going to take the top 10 teams in the EPL, and we're going to go to a Super League Cup, you know, Champions League Part 2, right? Well, that is, in essence, what MLS is saying to us, the fans, with I, I agree, and steps. I think what I'm seeing, too, is a lot of people are really upset with MLS in general for a variety of reasons, one being cost of buying a ticket or buying a jersey. Then you're going to say, well but we don't want to affiliate with the USL. USL is saying, hey, you know what we're thinking about doing? Pro-Rel. Promotion relegation. I love that. And they're expanding constantly, and they're getting into markets that deserve teams. Um, and so I well, think... Well, let's, let's, let's save that, because that is totally a topic that I want to talk about with our okay, guests later, because, yeah. because it is the, the, the whole mindset of Pro-Rel and what oh, that does to those teams, when we don't have that here... It changes things. It changes. So here, here we go. Pinnacle point of the day. Here, I, I got two quick ones. Uh, my first one is, uh, as of yesterday, Ronaldo now has 716 goals versus Messi's 715 goals scored in professional matches that are not PKs. <clears throat> okay. So let's... Field to play game. Yeah. Goals. Goat debates back in play. Anyway, I'll get rid of that one. I, I still don't think so, because one of them has a World Cup now and one doesn't. No, you know what? Just, I'm table. just saying. <laughs> Bought and paid for. Uh, However, my my other pinnacle point of the day is one of my pinnacle pet peeves of the day is the ludicrousness of ESPN Plus putting uh, India, Indian, like uh, Middle Eastern Indian, uh, professional tag on the television. You saw professional tag. uh, I'm not kidding. um, From from India? Asia is on ESPN Plus. ESPN Plus. I saw it today with my own eyes. Dude, I, I would be awesome at that. If it's even, here's the thing. <laughs> Let, no, I'm going to describe it to you I'd real pay quick. To watch Jared it, play it's it, like right. a volleyball court size field with uh, half half court stripe, and then it's in quarters. Yeah. So one team sends one dude over. Oh, I've over, seen, I've seen, you've seen this. Uh, not the Indian version, but I've seen tag. Oh, dude, it's worth watching. Whoa. It's got poles, and they can they jump around. No, and no, this is literally an open court. Oh. The one I've seen has I kept like on a, looking for the ball. I'm like, a, where's the ball? Where's the net? With like no. ramps and <clears throat> like stuff Red you Rover, jump Red Rover, send Akbar right over. That is exactly what was going on. And they go over there. And again, when it first came on, I'm looking for where's the ball? Where's the net? Where whatever? Nothing. And one guy goes over and then it, it, they pair up. If there's six players on the other side because they have six left, the two of them pair up, they hold hands and they move like 
I don't know, nimbly bimbly spiders or something. I'm going to check this out. It is the stupidest awesome. freaking thing I've ever seen. I'm like, why is Disney wasting production dollars <laughs> on tag from New I, Delhi? I, I, I think that's about as fun as watching cornhole on TV. There's more skill in cornhole. Uh, yeah, but it's the same. It's like, oh, oh my God, he got him in. Like every time. It's almost like bowling. You watch well, it's kind of like watching misses. the NBA. For, well, you know. that's another. Yeah, that's not. <laughs> they Although don't I do, I, I would, I would pay to see Jared uh, try to tag Jason Glover. I think that would be a fun contest. Oh, dude, he would out. not stand a chance. <laughs> oh, he's listening. He's gonna shoot you a text here in a second. Uh, again, we're down here, at Maggie O'Brien's Caddy Corner, from right across the street from City Park. Uh, come down, check them out when you hit up City Games and or other. Um, I haven't had the wings in a while. Are we going to get the wings today, Ooh, by the way? I'm in. Jared, you down? Yeah, I like wings. Jared likey-wingy. <laughs> Me likey-wingy. Uh, all right. Th- again, thank you. ExploreSTL.com, Ambush, and ThePinnacleLoans.com. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, get some refills, bring our guest on, and uh, chat a little mindset and improv. Love that. Improv. Yep. We'll be back. Hey everyone, buying a home, it's kind of a big deal. Never has there been more competition to buy, so few homes to choose from, all made worse by an uncertain interest rate landscape. Now that you're short a bedroom for the third kid, you're in the wrong school district, and a walkable corner pub isn't nearly close enough, it's time to reach out to the Pinnacle Loan Team for help. They work with a network of agents that have their feet on the ground across the whole region and have a number of loan products that are cost-effective with a process that is simple. Basically, they've got you covered from start to finish. So when it's time to buy, visit thepinnacleloans.com. That's thepinnacleloans.com, simply the best in home loans. We're back. Oh, I knew what you did here. Yep. You guys are starting to figure it out, huh? I, Only took 126 yeah. episodes. <laughs> they went from Flint, huh? You didn't even <laughs> <laughs> I googled, uh, and the uh, ready for the world. Uh, the, 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 expli- the explicit uh, label would have been tossed up. <laughs> we could have uh, played Jackie Moon's number one hit. Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah, oh, we're wow. playing that on the way out. Crazy, sexy, beautiful. <laughs> okay. We're rolling in with a little uh, D-Town tunes here Mr. Seeger I I appreciate that I mean, Detroit, Flint, close enough It kind of is Yeah, yeah It's close. We always consider Flint kind of a little Detroit So, uh, it works We drove through Flint uh, a couple weeks ago When we were up in Detroit And drove by the Ford plant Or by the, the Ford headquarters Mm-hmm. And the GM headquarters, I believe. Yeah. And I remember the the Michael Ma- Michael Moore movie. Michael Moore, Roger and me. Roger and me, and <laughs> that's that, that first scene of the movie takes place at that building. Building in in, yeah. in Flint. <clears throat> well, Travis Thomas, founder of um, Live Yes, comma and. Uh, U.S. means national team head de- development coach, correct? Uh, what, what? My title was leadership and team dynamics coach. Leadership. Right? And I'm no longer with the the men's national team as of I guess um, after the World Cup. Right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Greg and I had a conversation when he got rehired. 
Um, but I, yeah, I decided to, to not come back for the time just because of time commitments and life. And uh, so, uh, but no, currently working with FC Dallas and St. Louis University. So J- JB mentioned the book title, um, and we're going to get into that a little bit. But I think our listeners would be would 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 get a kick in the rear about how you got the job with Greg and the men's national team. So can 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 you talk about um, the book and what you did with the book, and then kind of the story leading up to how you spent three three and a half four years there with Greg and the national team? That's an awesome story. Yeah, so I'll try to give everyone the uh, the abbreviated version. Unless anyone is going to sleep right now, then I'll, I'll string it out. But um, <laughs> no, the uh, uh, you know the. the I, I was at IMG Academy for, for, for two, two and a half years, um, was, was privileged enough to work with the U, U17 residential program when they were there. That happened to have Weston McKinney, Christian Pulisic, Haji Wright, Tyler Adams. Um, it wasn't a bad group of guys. You had, no, you, no. You had John Hackworth, was he there, there uh, at that time? Hackworth and I did not overlap with okay. one another. Um, and so, yeah, I worked with that group. Um, uh, about every couple of weeks. It, it was fun to work with that group. Uh, so I left IMG in, in 2015, um, started Live Yes And just to basically be a speaker and a consultant for uh, companies and, and youth college and professional sports teams. As a, uh, I call myself a performance coach that focuses on mindset, team dynamics, and culture, uh, but was just sort of winging it and doing my own thing. I wrote my, my book in 2016, Three Words for Getting Unstuck, Live Yes And. My company is Live Yes And. We'll get into that, I'm sure, which is the basis of improvisation. And, you know, I'm just kind of grinding, right? I'm just, you know, trying to carve out a living. And uh, uh, Greg had been on the job for maybe not quite a year. Um, and I realized, like, oh, I, you know, I haven't sent Greg my book. I don't know Greg. <laughs> like 2019 <laughs> this right is, here? This is end of 2019. Yeah. And uh, I, I decided to put a book in the mail to Greg. And any author will tell you that nothing ever happens if a cold send. You send a cold send. Like Coach K wrote me a thank you note one time, which I'm sure was his assistant, right? Mm-hmm. Sending me a thank you note. Uh, maybe you get a thank you note. You never hear anything. So as soon as you pop it in the mail, you let go of any expectation that anything's attached or going to happen to that book. And so I sent that off to Greg, a little handwritten note. You know, Greg, big fan of the national team. Um, when I was at IMG, I worked with, you know, Tyler, Christian, and Weston and would love to chat some time. But I sent it to the U.S. Soccer House. I, didn't even, I don't even have Greg's address, right? So I sent it to the Soccer House, as blind as can be. Um, and believe it or not, uh, you know, a week later, I get a text. You know, your iPhone does the maybe at the top. Uh-huh. And it says, maybe Greg Berhalter. What? And I was like, get out of here. <laughs> Come on, get out of here. <laughs> and I'm just kind of danced around. I'm like, I got Greg's cell phone. Like, you know, I got his number. I can, you know, spam him. Uh, and it said, hey, Travis, thanks for the book. I look forward to reading it. And I'm like, I'm never. Um, hey, Greg, thanks. Appreciate it. Big fan. Would love to chat sometime. Never going to hear from the guy again. Wow. Of course, right? A week later, I get another. This is right after Thanksgiving 2019. Another text from Greg. Got time to chat. And I was like, uh, of course, oh, I, you know, my busy schedule. I think I was at Planet Fitness. Yeah, Greg in a meeting right now. Uh, super busy. How about this afternoon? Did you reply back, maybe Travis Thomas? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> uh, and I just, who dis? No. Um, so I, I got home and I was like, all right. Told my wife, I'm like, I'm getting on the phone with Greg, right? You know, send me a prayer, right? So, you know, I get on the phone with Greg and... At that point in my career, I'm used to, you know, I've got to give someone my 30-second elevator pitch and, you know, right away to, you know. So I started, hey, Greg, yeah, you know, you know, I was in Boston, then I was in, you know, he goes, no, 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 you cut me off. He goes, hey, I read your book. 
this is a week, right? I'm like, it's a thin book, by the way. Um, <laughs> and, and, uh, so I'm like, it's oh, three pages. Yeah, Live, three. yes, and it's, you know, it's uh, fourth, fourth page is uh, you know, I, I make a few, um, you know, acknowledgments on page four, um, and uh, I'm like, well, what's up? I know you're super busy. You know, what can I help you with? And he just kind of launched into the culture that he was trying to create, you know, year one on the job and really liked the book um, and, and kind of where I was coming from, from a mindset perspective and a culture perspective. And um, was he asked me the question that any consultant wants to hear. He says, what's your year look like? And I'm like, wow. uh, flexible, really <laughs> flexible, really flexible. <laughs> and uh, and the funny, so he was going to be in uh, Orlando for Christmas with his family. And I was, he's like, hey, can we can we meet halfway next week and just talk about this some more? So we met in a Starbucks in Kissimmee, Florida, and we sat in the back. And he, you know, uh, I got you know met with Greg, and he gave me the vision of what he was thinking about, and and asked if I was interested. And you know, I thought about it for all of you know two seconds, and from there we 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 just kind of uh, worked out a six month trial, which turned into you know COVID hit. We did January camp you know, together with the team and then COVID hit and who knows when we were going to get back together again. So I stayed on with the team for that, that first year through 2020, eking out whatever we could. Um, and then I, I signed a, a year contract in 21, re-signed in 22 and all the way up through the World Cup in Qatar and just had, you know, just the experience of a lifetime, you know, being able to, to be in the room where it happens and um, just kind of going on that ride. So it was uh, as a guy who was originally a soccer guy growing up, uh, but never had a dream of, of being involved with the national team. Um, yeah, it was just a, a real special experience. Go ahead, Jared. Yeah, I, I just uh, I'm thinking about that timeline and in our men's national program and, and the boys or the, the young the young adults that you spent time with at IMG and are now European world stars. Yeah. Um, doing what you do for a living and, and building culture, which as we're seeing is the most important thing. How long did it take you um, to to build that culture with Greg, with those team professional athletes? Um, and what I'm saying is, is th those guys, I'm sure a lot of it was group training. How much of it did it start to click with those guys when, when, when it became personal with all of those those players? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's, it's different. It's different with every player. I have a different relationship with 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 everybody. And obviously, I'm, I'm super close with a lot of guys and other guys. I mean, think about it this way. Every camp is a new group of guys. Right. And so you might have, you know, obviously that January camp, it's domestic players who are primarily playing in, in the MLS. Mm -hmm. You all of a sudden we're, we're doing a European camp and maybe two guys that were in the domestic camp are in this camp. And so now you're working with all the European players and then every every, you know, every camp after that, it's, it's a different mix of players. And so as a staff, what you're really relying on is the consistency of the values, the consistency of of, of how you do things from camp to camp to start to build that culture that is familiar and repeatable. Um, my, for me, it's like, yeah, I'm doing group sessions with the guys, but you know, when you're together for a camp, you do everything together. You're in the same hotels, you're eating every meal in the same room, you're traveling to and from, you're just with each other. And so, you know, that's really where you create the relationships, the one-on-one -on -one relationships with the players. Mm -hmm. And then outside of that, it's how intentional we are 
in every, you know, culture is everything that you do, mm-hmm. right? And so how intentional we were with that. Well, so that's, I'm going to ask you a question about culture and really kind of defining it or really more to the point, maybe strip, peeling back the onion a little bit on that term. Yeah. Uh, because it's used a lot. It's yeah, used it's in, overused in every sure. environment. Yeah. Uh, Salesforce, right? Zach, you're you're there. There's a culture that you probably could That's what they say, yeah. somewhat define, right? <laughs> uh, and when I think about culture in terms of uh, national programs mm-hmm. on, uh, from a soccer perspective, I immediately think of you know the German national team. We think of the Brazilians. You think of uh, you know the, the 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 Italians and you even us being Americans, we can probably describe their culture just from being fans and watching what they've done and how they've done it yeah but with u.s soccer how how did you approach it because you have a lot of individuals that are are not playing here right they're 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 living the majority of their time right right. uh overseas etc so my question to you is step one what was the culture that you guys were really you know, how would you describe the culture that you were trying to implement or activate? Yeah. And two, what was the reception to it from a lot of individuals that are that are living in significantly different cultures? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So, uh, really, twenty most of twenty nineteen, uh, the the groundwork was being laid for what the culture was going to be, and and Greg took a really uh, participatory approach, involving the players and the staff as part of the process. Instead of just being like, "Hey, here's my vision, here's my idea, here's my culture," it was. It was creating it uh, very intentionally with the players and with the staff. And one of the things that they did, you know, um, throughout 2019, really before I come aboard, uh, was kind of building the scaffolding for, well, what does it mean to play for the U.S. men's national team? And so after going through, you know, all these different values activities, they, they were trying to figure out what, what are the three values that really represents what it means to play for the U.S.? And, and the three values the team ended up deciding upon, which is really what, what we built the culture upon, uh, is, is, a, is BDR, which yep. is B is brave, D is diverse, and R is relentless. Yep. Like, what's it mean to be an American, you know, a sports team, right? We're brave, right? Diversity, coming from different backgrounds, but also diversity on the field, the ability to play different styles, to, to play in a CONCACAF game and then to go off, go compete with the best in, in, in Europe. and. And then that relentless American spirit, what it means uh, that we never feel like we're out of a game. We never feel that we're out of a battle. And so that really kind of became sort of our rallying three anchors, that BDR. And then if you look at, okay, if those are, if those are, and we talk about culture, culture is a neutral term, right? Right. Culture is, culture is, culture is neither good or bad. Your culture is simply what it is. And yeah. what it is, is it's, your, be- it's it, your behavior. It's, it's definable to a degree. Yeah, it's what yeah. shows up, right? Just all I have to do is come out and watch one of your trainings. And I'll tell you what your culture is. Doesn't mean you're going to like it, but that will be what your culture is. Culture is what shows up on the field and is what shows up off the field. It's, it's just the behavior. We have our desired culture, then we have the actual culture. So we were really intentional about what we wanted the culture to be. And then it's like, well, how do, how do we create an environment that is constantly reinforcing these core values, these core anchors? And then we really wanted to, to build a team that, um, that loved being with one another, that loved playing with one another. And so really, I think from a staff perspective, what we what Greg really tried to do is put a staff together where everyone's number one priority was the player first. 
it was all about the players. So we did everything we possibly do, could do to build that trust in camp and out of camp that those players knew when they came into camp, we had their best uh, we had their best intentions in, in mind. And so it was really fun to see over that span of three years where you had different players that were injured and, and actually not, not available, but they'd say, hey, Greg, can I come in? Can I come in to be where, around you guys? Can I come in to be around the team? Let me ask a quick follow-up then. Yeah. Um, where does patriotism or, or lineage come into play in this conversation? Because, you know, when you talk about BDR, uh, you know, the resilient uh, mm-hmm. um, American entrepreneurialism and all these catchwords that describe American ingenuity and, and, and effort in general how how did and or where did patriotism come into play with such a diverse group of players yeah and i think the the, the patriots is because again you are dealing with such a, a diverse group of players many of which you didn't grow up in the united states right so so maybe yeah. there's not the patriotism that maybe that you know uh, a player who grew up in america feels yeah. so how do, how do you work those guys into the mix and so there's there's a little bit of education involved with that but at the end of the day, it comes back to it comes back to the shared vision and the shared passion that each of these players have, right? Our our mission was to change the way the world views American soccer, right? And so whether you grew up playing in America, even if you didn't, you know what the perception is of American American soccer in any other country. So we really rallied behind this idea of not only do we want to be successful, but we want to change the way not only that Americans feel about American soccer, but how the world views American soccer. And so that was kind of that driving force to really lean into the identity of what it means to to be an American soccer player. Go ahead, Jared. Yeah, you know what I think is interesting for the time frame and, and, and what's exciting is, is reading about you, listening to some of the platforms you've been on and some of your speeches. Um, I think it's really worked with that group because, like, first off, um, Americans, they, they want to win. If you don't win, they're, everybody's upset. Well, we went from a group that didn't qualify for a World Cup. We qualified for a World Cup. That, that's great. Uh, that's, a, that's a big feat. People don't realize that. Then we get out of the group. And then, and then so we didn't get as far as we wanted, clearly, with yeah. your group, and you'll speak on it. And then, and then we come back, and the stuff happens with the, the BS that we can bring up or not bring up. And what's interesting about the collective group of players on the team is – Everybody gave their opinion from media to persons about Greg Berhalter and what he was going to do moving forward. And, and you being a big part of it, being the leadership um, uh, manager, um, if you ask the players on the team if they wanted Greg back, every one of them to a man said, I want him back after all the BS. And, and, and that's an attribute to you and your group and just the culture that you guys built that we're speaking about. Well, you know, and again, the, everything that happened after the World Cup was super unfortunate for everybody involved. Like, yep. for, for everybody involved, it was super unfortunate. You know, and then you can see how it played out and the report that came out and, and let all sort of the details sort of speak for itself. I think the most, the most um, uh, interesting or the positive thing that, that happened was the, what happened at the World Cup was handled at the World Cup. And it, it, and it was addressed and it was taken care of. And it was a distraction for, for, for a period of days. But then it was handled as a team in such a, in, in, in such a I wish I could get into the specific details, but I, 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 I can't. But it was. Was it, it a it, death match? It was a player. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I'm, I'm working on the movie rights right now. <laughs> yeah, but but it, was, it was really a, a player-to-player led um, uh, uh, situation of, of players taking ownership of the team. 
and 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 it was resolved and it was nipped in the bud and, and then we moved on and and so for everything to happen that happened after the world cup was just super unfortunate yeah. so i want to ask a question about not that incident but i've been in a lot of corporate environments where folks that are paid to come in and consult and i was on a couple of those deals where i was the person doing this as well so i've been on both sides of this mm-hmm. in most cases in order for it to not just be a paper culture, meaning BDR up on the wall, sure, right? Sure. You have to have the buy-in from the actual players. Yes. So within that 2022 World Cup team, there had to be some key foundational guys to say, yep. we are behind this. And w- can you tell us who it was and why was it Tim Ream and Josh Sargent? Because they're from St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> yes, man. It's like you guys were in the locker room with us for, for this whole thing. No, I mean, I, I think to your point, right, this wasn't a, a one person or two people that, that were sort of taking the, you know, taking the lead. And, and, and this wasn't a situation where there's a playbook for this, right? right. And, 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 you know, I think the, the way that we handled it in inter- internally and really, and again, it, it, it was at the top with Greg, was that there was there was nothing that was made just out of an emotional reaction, right? You know, I mean, it was it was hours and hours of of, of deliberation and new facts and new energy and, and 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 you just tried to look at it and but it was a it was a constantly evolving thing. And as soon as we thought we had a solution to one thing, a new element came in, and then at the end of the day, it was still. Um, sort of organically a few players who stepped up and actually kind of just took the bull by the horns and took the lead and then we were able to kind of follow in and support it and and and, and work out the, the best possible situation but it was it was player driven and um, you know and again that was it, there wasn't a playbook but it was by design that we were trying to build a culture where the players felt the ownership that this ultimately is their team it's their experience um, and, 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 and to see them doing that was, uh, was pretty cool. How, how much of your process involved uh, compare and contrasting other national team programs? You know, because obviously in the corporate world, that is, that's the MO. That's how, that's how you do it. Like, you look at companies that just crush it and try and figure out, okay, what can we do to mirror, you know, best practices, so to speak. What was your process as it pertained to soccer specifically and who were your kind of north stars uh, as far as other programs or, or, or associations? Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you look at when you look at the national team staff as a whole, it was already such a, a super diverse group of, of, of staff members. You know, we had, you know, Darcy Norman, who was on our performance side, who had been at Germany for two World Cups, including the World Cup, you know, uh, winning Germany squad. You've got, you know, Steve Taschen, who had worked with, you know, Premier League teams all, all over England. We've got um, uh, we had s- such a diverse group of, of staff members that, that were a part of that cycle and a part of that group where it wasn't necessarily just about trying to copy, you know, one national team. It, it was really about best practices all across the board. Uh, I get one of the things that, that, that stands out to me with Greg as a leader is that, that Greg, again, is, is constantly looking to just improve not only himself, but what can we learn from what can we learn from this team? What can we learn from this expert? What can we learn from this field? I mean, let's be honest. Like, you know, I my position probably isn't going to exist on most national teams, right? We came up with the title of leadership and team dynamics coach 
but really Greg brought me in to be a guy like who's the guy that's all like you know I, I played many moons ago he's not bringing me in to talk about tactics and he's not bringing me in to <laughs> right. talk about, he's like who's going to be the guy that while everyone else is doing their thing I know I've got one person who's thinking about the culture and how is this decision going to impact? How is this decision going to impact our culture? And how is this going? And so, you know, that takes that takes a lot of humble confidence as a leader to recognize that there's so many different areas that that we can be better. So to follow up on Zach's question, um, name names. Who who is the leader? out of that group I mean you know we have to assume it's probably one of the usual suspects who impressed you from a cultural leadership standpoint from that 22 squad Uh, well you look at you know I don't don't know how many people know that but you know obviously Tyler Adams was the the captain for the World Cup that was voted on by the players right so again um, proof positive that that's sort of the stature that he held amongst his teammates. And if you look at the way he handled the Iran press yeah. conference situation. How about the political stuff that went on there? If you want to, again, I've showed that in so many corporate settings since the World Cup. If you want a, a master class into how, how to diffuse a, uh, a, a situation that he could have... <laughs> He could have just blown that up into that unbelievable. A, a bigger situation on multiple occasions. Um, his his steadiness to be able to, to answer the questions the way that he did. Um, for Greg to go into the bee's nest like he went into during that press conference um, was probably one of the most difficult things that, that so, he's so ever done. So you're saying whoever wins in November should nominate Tyler as <laughs> Secretary of State? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, I, I would. Uh, he would be on my cabinet. Well, uh, how about the way that the players in general after that <clears throat> game, after all the implications between the countries and what the Iran- Iranian players went through with their families and the threats, how are the empathy our players showed those guys on the field on the telecast. I wasn't even there. That you was, were there. That was yeah. That How was proud the were most, you of that? That was the most proud I was of the entire tournament. Was we didn't talk about that right again. We didn't say like our focus was the game. Our focus was we needed we needed to get a win to wow. advance. We didn't we didn't get you know we were very tempted to get into the geopolitical and the ramifications. But we knew again going back to a mindset standpoint right. We, it's control the controllables. We knew that we had to keep the main thing the main thing, which was we need to focus on the game. And so, so that game, you get the result, everything's said and done, all the, all the pressure and tension leading up to that. And then I'm walking around the field and I'm looking at um, uh, a Josh Sargent hugging an Iranian player. Yeah. I'm watching guys, Sobbing. guys who didn't play in the game. And, and our guys, it was just like, I looked at that and I was like, that is America at its best. Here we are. We're not out there beating our chest and telling everyone that we're the best country in the world. And it, it was... It was to compete at the highest level and then to have the empathy and compassion to go out there and take care of your quote-unquote your brother. There's a lot of other walks of life in our country right now that could take a lesson from that. That's for sure. And again, yeah, that was was the most proud moment for me from uh, from what, what, again, we wanted to change. I always told Greg, I'm like, Greg, we want to change the way um, people view American soccer. I want this team to change the way people view Americans Mm -hmm. in in its best light. And and that that. that was a great moment. That was awesome. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to get a little bit of refills down here at Maggio's. We need to find out where this gentleman comes, his humble beginnings. Let's do that on the break. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I got a list. I, I'm one, I, I react off of the data given. 
I got new questions in mind. You're good. Yes. You're good. Let's yes, go. and you're you're, mm-hmm. you're yes and in motion. Yeah, I guess yeah, we need yeah. to describe yeah. that. <laughs> no, but let's talk about. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Come on. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna roll out with a little more Bob Seger down here at Maggie O'Brien's. We're gonna come back, talk to Travis about more soccer mindset and more. Catch you on the flip side. She looks so young and sweet. She made a way along down that empty street. The term staycation was really invented by soccer moms. Located one hour and seven minutes from the arch, the Music Box Chalet at Innsbruck is a hidden gem. Buried in three acres of private woods, the Music Box has a master suite for just you, a loft and second bath for them, and a vinyl collection to meet your every mood. The full-size kitchen will easily accommodate three to 12 bottles of rosé, while the huge fire pit seating area will keep the big kids busy. Golf, fishing, kayaking, pickleball, or simply reading a book with Mother Nature, all at your fingertips. Visit either VRBO or Airbnb to find the Music Box Chalet. And now, back to those guys. This is one I don't know. I... I didn't know it until yesterday. Okay. Yeah, I'm not following it either. I thought you were definitely going with Jackie Moon. Sounds like it was recorded. No, yep. Uh, <laughs> late 80s, early Space. 90s. Like in a, did you? It's got that lack of re. Oh, here it comes. Oh, there's the mix. Okay. Wake up. Wake up. Right? Whoa. Eminem. Oh. No, it's not. No. No. Uh, this was. Uh, you guys know how much I love AI, right? My mm-hmm. AI DJ. I thought you meant Alan, oh, Alan Iverson. You're talking about all right, artificial. No, I'm, I'm anti basketball. <laughs> uh, don't ever say that. Are you again. a Spotify guy? I Spotify. Well, I you know I, I I don't have allegiance either way. Spotify, Apple Music. So Spotify rolled out that uh, AI DJ. Yeah. Are you using? Oh yeah, I use it all the time. Yeah. Love K- it. Kim walked in the do- house the other day. Kim's my wife, and she was like. Uh, so my DJ, I think he knows me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because Mine at does. first, you know, it's one of those things. You just hit the button. If you don't yeah. like what's playing, you hit the button yeah. and it keeps learning. And now she walked in. She's like, I like my DJ. Oh. Anyway. My, you said you weren't a basketball guy. You were at a basketball game yesterday. It was awful. Ugh. I love my son. Me too. I love the fact that he enjoys it. But I would rather a million different. I would fix your dryer, Jared. I love basketball. Uh, let's let's compare notes for a second. I was at a basketball game yesterday, and the score was forty-one to two. Mine was twenty-two yeah. twenty. Okay, yeah, yeah that's, I would much rather be at a twenty-two twenty than a forty-one yeah. to two. Most dangerous lead in basketball, though. I don't know if you heard <laughs> that is forty-one to two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you tell your team to get better? Yeah. I I did. I tried, yeah. uh, and, yeah. and they are like. So the nah. pregame uh, speech of uh, "All right, kids, let's not suck today" didn't work. Nope. Nope. It had zero impact. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So I, I want to, Travis, I want to. They needed a mindset coach. Well, yeah. that, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, At 41-2, I think they need golf clubs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pickleball. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no spin. Yeah. So I, I, I want to kind of go backwards in time. It's kind of a theme on our, our show every once in a while to, to just dive all the way back uh, to the Flint, Michigan days. Yes. Little Travis. 
um, because you've had a kind of a meandering path, yes, right? Yes, and I have. It's a- you know, when you come in as a consultant, you come in as a, a as a mind uh, set coach. A lot of people want to know those creds. Like, why should we listen to this guy? Um, and so, some stories are of a tragedy. Some are just I, I kind of got to this point because of experiences. And I just want to hear a little bit more about how you got out of Flint came to St. Louis for college and then kind of did your other things. So I think it really sets the, the stage for how you got to be a right-hand man to Burhalter during the World Cup and, and how you're doing what you're doing now with these other MLS clubs and things like that. So if you could kind yeah. of walk us through a little bit of that, that backstory, that'd be huge. I'd love to say it was by design, but it, it's not <laughs> It's not by design. We, I, I, you, you connect dots in reverse. You never connect dots in, in you know, forward. Um, but no, you know, I mean, you know, grew up in Flint, Michigan, sports, Sports are huge in Flint, um, and uh, but I gravitated towards soccer, you know, growing up, and you know, played club soccer uh, in Flint, Michigan, and uh, it was a pretty decent scene in Mid Michigan. Obviously, there's some good teams out of Detroit. You know, I was okay. Uh, I came to Principia College here in St. Louis, Division Three. Knew I could play at the Division Three level, and and played for four years, and you know, I was fine. Like, you know, I was fine. It's a, can I cut in it's there a beautiful a campus. Yeah, it, can I like, cut in? Yeah. I, I never been to Scotland. I did watch the show The Outlander. Yeah. But does, does, <laughs> does that, because our kids go to preseason camp at yeah. Principia College, you guys which plug? place is awesome. You want to plug it right now? It, what an amazing campus. What? Yeah. I didn't did, know it existed. Did, yeah. did and Harry, I was blown it, away. It looks like you're at Harry Potter. Yeah. The it's, Hogwarts. It's, it's, it is the Hogwarts of the Midwest, <laughs> I believe, is, uh, so is, how they're, is how they're promoting it's it. It's awesome, though. So, yeah. so if you're I think kid, it's known for the biggest doors in yeah. all colleges in, in Southern Illinois. Well, let me well let me ask you a Michigan kid sports <laughs> yes. question. This yeah. is very important. Who did you value the most? Steve Eisman, Barry Sanders. Stop. Just stop. Just stop. You, you mentioned the name of my captain. You just stop right there, uh, Stevie Y. Captain, my captain. More than Barry. Stevie Y. I mean, love Barry, but I mean, it it, it ends. It begins and ends with the I captain. Know, he won. It's called hockey. He won Stanley yeah. Cups. Yeah, it is Do called hockey time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's. I, I love Barry, and I mean, I, I shared the last name with Isaiah Thomas and his championships, but. Stevie Y, it'll always be with Stevie Y. Talk about Principia and your time there, because I think that's important for um, our show, for what you do now, and and as a 18 year old um, young man, adolescent going into Principia College. Um, Everything wasn't cupcakes, cupcakes and rainbows for you, was it not? No. So, did you read my book? Do you, I, do you know? I read a lot I was of it. Say, yeah. all right. Like, I'm like you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I dig into what a what basically what a softy, weak, mentally uh, weak player I, I was, and and I, I look at the the work that I'm doing right now is directly impacted by I struggled mentally, right? I struggled mentally. I, I played with a lot of fear. I played with a lot of anxiety. Uh, I, I didn't know how to get through some of those obstacles, and um, I just struggled, and and so I was a good player that, that held myself back because of, um, of not knowing how to confront some of these things where I, wow. I now get a chance to to help people, help kids, especially ones who, you know, I think we, you, uh, I, well, I think we're all roughly similar ages here. I'm, I'm sure I'm older than everybody, but um, uh, I, I'm deceptively old. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 actually, if you were to guess, it was probably Jared, right? 
No, he's got that youth. He's got that youthful face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got that shiny smile. Yeah, he knows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Little yellow, no. but shiny. No. <laughs> no but I, go ahead. I, I just turned the big five zero. I'm hoping to go with that Steve Martin look for the next forty years. Okay. I just love look it. the same age yeah. for the next yeah. forty years. Yeah. And play uh, banjo. The, the jerk. Play, yeah. The jerk or wild and crazy guys. Uh, well, I mean, they're all the same. I mean, he, he, look, he looks the same in all of them, <laughs> and he ahead. still does. Uh, so yeah. So I, you know, I, I, I felt like there was something wrong with me because uh, you know I was raised where, you know, there's nothing to be afraid of. You know, don't be afraid. Be fearless. Hey, think about this. So the second book that I'm writing right now, guys, is on courage, right? Okay. Is, is the idea of courage, something that I, I struggled with as a player. And the most, most of the times when parents hear about my, my background with the national team or working with SLU or FC Dallas, they're like, oh, great. Can you help my kid with his confidence? And I'll be like, well, why do you want me to help your kid with his confidence? And they're like, so because, I mean, why wouldn't? Well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, what's wrong? They're like, well, he's not confident. I'm like, but, but what's wrong? They're like, he's not confident. I'm like, no, 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 that's not a problem. What's the problem? Well, you need to help him with his confidence so he can be a better player. I'm like, those are two separate things. Confidence is a feeling, right? His performance is his performance. Confidence impacts performance, but... But being, in, being confident is just, it's a feeling, it's an emotion. And so a lot of the work that I'm doing, especially in youth sports, but it's really no different at the national team level, is we're, 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 we're reframing what it means, why we think confidence is so important, and FYI, it's not. And, 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 and growing up in a generation where we still, we put courage and fearlessness on the same pedestal, and they're total opposites you, you just debunked everything that i've told my kid all growing up i always say have fun and be confident so if confidence ain't a thing <laughs> half of what i've told my kid to 15 <laughs> doesn't even matter well here's the thing Ke- kelly said the there's, there, there's nothing wrong with being confident but if he's not confident <clears throat> he's 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 operating from the premise that there must be something wrong makes sense what, what about yeah. the term uh, advocate advocate you know, because that's that's another one that's tossed around big time with yeah. kids these days, especially from a competitive level, you know, in, in athletics, you know, to, to the point. I see what you're saying with confidence. Uh, it, it is a byproduct, um, but advocating is something that is a little bit hand in hand with confidence. If you're a confident kid, you're going to advocate for yourself, right, mm-hmm. within sport. When you look at the youth landscape, yeah, how, where do you see the deficiency in those areas, as it pertains to, you know, their next steps and and moving up through the ranks because it's cutthroat these days. Yeah, I mean it's cutthroat, and and again, like sports are competitive, life is competitive, um, and uh, if 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 I if I am mentoring it either as the parent, the coach, or the teacher, if I'm if I'm uh, telling a kid that that he needs to be confident or he needs to be fearless, well, we're, we're putting an undue pressure on someone. We're basically telling them that, that those normal emotions that you're feeling, if we're doing something that's important, shouldn't we be nervous? If we're, if, if we're, if we're playing a game that means something, shouldn't I be a little afraid and a little nervous? Yeah, why, butterflies are a good thing. Why am, I yeah. starting that at, why, <laughs> why am I starting from the standpoint of that normal thing that you should be feeling, you, you shouldn't be feeling that, be fearless, go out there and, and, and be a monster, be an animal. Like, oh, okay, but I, but I am afraid. Does that mean I'm going to play a bad game? And the answer is like, well, of course not. Like, have you ever been, like, so my, my starting point with most kids that I work with, I'm like, hey, have you ever been super confident before a game and go out there and play terrible? And they're like, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm like, well, have you ever been nervous or afraid before a game and you went out there and crushed it? And they're like, oh, yeah, of course. I'm like, okay. So feelings are not a predictor of performance. Wow. So why do we put so much pressure on, I want my, be confident, be confident, be confident. Wouldn't we rather have players that are courageous instead of confident? Because courage is doing what needs to be done when you're afraid, which means I am nervous or I'm afraid. And what is courage? Courage is I have the ability and the willingness to go out and do it anyway. Fearless means I'm comfortable, which you and I know most of the time that people are fearless, they just end up doing well, stupid, irresponsible yeah. stuff. I don't want you to be fearless. I want you to be courageous. And especially in youth sports, the ability to compartmentalize while they're doing it because they have to read the room. They have to read the situation and then take that fear and or anxiety in real time and then make a decision. So what is the difference that you are experiencing between 18 to 35 year old, you know, top world-class players from a national team perspective to that 10, 11, 12 year old through 17, 18, you know, pre-college ages. What are some of the differences between the two in dealing with and addressing Confidence and courage, and <laughs> yeah, advocacy. Yeah, I think when you, when you look at you know when you look at quote unquote the professional age, um, you know those players, those players have had so much success to be to to be where they are. Uh, most of what they're dealing with at that point really isn't a lack of confidence in their in their ability. Most of the stress and anxiety that they're dealing with is is, is trying to handle all of the things that are outside of their control, outside of their own ability. Right, the coach that they're playing for, the contract that they're under, the situation that they're under, the off the field, the off the field stuff that they're dealing with, how to compartmentalize that, and, and how to prioritize the right things, you know, to move. You know, there's four types of thinking, where so many athletes at the professional level, there's so much unconscious competence. Yeah, right? l- losing and failure in front of a ton of people. In front, of, in front of, and 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 then going on to social media. And, uh, and and just being ripped and be, being ripped to shreds. So <laughs> so how do you how do I create? Really, it's why you know professional athletes to a certain extent there has to be a certain level of um, uh, just being sort of uh, uh, creating a bubble of, of of protection around yourself where you have to believe in yourself so much, and you also have to know what to avoid in order to be able to maintain that self belief in yourself. Uh, but if all you ever did is got on social media and looked what people were saying about you, you're, 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 you're going to have zero belief in yourself because the dumpster fire, which is social media, is never telling you really how great you are. So, so you're saying <laughs> it's a bad thing. So I, I, I would, uh, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's, not, it's not high on the list. For or sure. just being Go a goldfish. You know, it was kind of what you're talking There's about. There's a lot of wisdom in that in that fun show of Ted Lasso. Where are you going back to Principia? Like we're through there. What's what? What happens? No, I, I I love this topic, and I I I really <laughs> I, I hope JB that you go back and do a pre-intro intro to cue this up because I think you're recording it this time. I, fine, <laughs> but I really think this is so critical because we've talked about confidence a bazillion times with guys and girls that have have achieved amazing things. And we've heard everything from, I like confidence, but not so much arrogance and kind of dissecting the term of confidence. What Travis just did basically was saying, no, 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 let's let's reframe that and, and focus on something that actually has value within the field of play. 
and off the field of play. And I think that's so important for so many people that listen to this 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 show and including our boy uh, out in Idaho. Yeah, yeah, and Utah Five now. Five star from Idaho. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, let's let let's 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 take it to this. And here's the thing, right? We're we're, we're having a mental health um, awakening in the world, which I think is is super is super yeah. valuable, right? We need to advocate for for our feelings. We need to advocate for my my feelings are valid. But we need to be able to go the next step, which is my feelings are valid, yes. Uh, and so the best coaches, the best teachers, the best mentors are going to be those who are able to empathize with the people that they lead because everyone's feelings are valid. What we want to do, though, and, and so just like when I'm working with a player, and again, I'm a parent of three, so I'm, I'm still kind of figuring this out myself, but I would always ask my kids, hey, how are you feeling today? You got a game today. How are you feeling? And I realized, like, that's really not a helpful question. It's an it's a... It's going to give me information, but it's not the most important Conversation question. starter. The second question is most important because regardless of what they say, I'm like, hey, buddy, how you feeling today? Big game. He's like, oh, I'm nervous. Or, hey, I'm confident. That's really less important. The follow-up question is, hey, awesome. Or, hey, I completely understand. Hey, what, what do you need to do today in order to have a good game? What actions and behaviors do you need to focus on today that's going to allow you to have a good game? And now we move from feelings into actions, actions. and behaviors. Wow. Yeah. So if I'm dealing with a center midfielder, right, and I ask him before the game, how are you feeling today? He's like, I don't know, man. These guys crushed us last time. I'm feeling a little, I'm feeling a little nervous. Hey, man, totally get it. Completely understandable. Hey, uh, based on last game, going into this game, what, what are the two things that you think that you need to do really, really well that's going to make a difference in that center midfield position? Well, you know what? I need to, uh, uh, I, I need to track. I need to track my guy the entire game and don't let him turn. Awesome. Track your guy and don't let him turn. And when I receive the ball, I need to switch the point of attack. Awesome. Track your guy. Don't let him turn. When you have the ball, switch the point of attack. All right. Go out there and just focus on those two things. I'll have. Hey, see if you can prevent your guy from from turning on you. Can you can you can you prevent him three times this half? Yeah, see if you can prevent them through. So, so now the focus isn't how I feel. The focus is on what do I need to do? Mm. When I focus on actions, what Goals. am I going to do? I'm going to take actions. If I give a player a mini goal for themselves, yeah. hey. So for a player, I hated physical contact, right? I'm a, I was a tall, lanky guy, man. I'm going to get crushed. I'm going to get – so I shied away from physical contact. If I had a coach who came up to me and said, hey, Travis, hey, man, like, hey, I, hey man, I, I totally get it. Hey, can you get in there? I want you to see, see if you can – just get in there, make a little contact, see if you can prevent your guy, right, from, uh, from 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 turning. Can you prevent your guy from turning two times this half? Yeah, coach, I can focus on that. Yeah, I can go out there. I don't need to be a monster. No, just go go see if you can do it twice, right? That kid goes out there and crush it. Halftime, awesome, that was amazing. Hey, this half, right? Hey, can you do this, right? Hey, what if you what what if you prevented him three times? What if you outbattled him on on four head balls this half? And now, now I'm like. I don't have to change my entire personality. I've got a little micro goal that I can go out there and move the needle a little bit. And that's what I, what I try to help players with. Let me, let me switch dials talking about moving the needle. Um, The other day, um, the infamous Lindsay Horan (laughs) after her famous uh, (laughs) statement, basically calling American soccer fans dumb. Sure. Um, and, And when you read the whole interview it's like in context it's like yeah look she's right you know in context was her delivery good eh, you know TBD. was the media snippet in our world of snippets yeah that doesn't not happen. great never, well never but what you're describing as you were t- telling this you know talking through this last segment i'm thinking of her in that statement 
and I'm thinking of individuals like ourselves and the multitude of, of, of parents that, you know, that we see on sidelines. Because what you're really focusing on is talking about the player and you know, let's let's work on their dial, let's move their needle instead of, you know, leaning into feelings, let's talk about action steps, things that are a little bit more measurable and frankly manageable. Yeah. Um, within the youth game though, the parent role, talk to that a little bit as far as managing mindset, uh, working on support or lack thereof or you know, that car ride home, post-practice slash game, whatever, you know, because it's one thing to tell a 13, 14, 15-year-old, hey, you know what, I don't need you to be a superstar today, I just need you to do one thing really well and we'll build off of it. Yeah. Parents are different because they think they know, <laughs> you know. That's kind of the problem. So <laughs> so let's let's take a couple of minutes here. And I don't, yeah. Address the parental and and, role and again, in the system. Yeah, and I don't want to. I mean, obviously, I, I I say that and I laugh, and I don't I don't want to come across as disrespectful. Because, uh, that's okay. We'll do that. Because yeah, we, you, you say what you want. Because say. because yeah. <laughs> uh, again, I I am a parent myself. I have the same I have the same emotions on every sideline that any other player has. Um, being in the line of work that I have. I, I try to hold myself accountable because I'm also, you know, I can't be the the, the mental coach that uh, is losing his crap on the sidelines, right? I've got hopefully, I'm always trying to model the behavior that I ask of, of of my children or the teams that I work with, and so first and foremost, I try to hold myself accountable. But you know, I've been working in youth sports and youth soccer as an assistant coach on the sidelines. The the most ignorant words that you know i i've ever heard are usually on the sidelines of youth sports right and it's it's <laughs> it's I, I will say this nice it's well-intended parents i guess um saying things that that or, or coaches or saying things that they couldn't be further from uh effective or helpful with the player that they're ultimately trying to help so uh, so let's let's do this though <clears throat> um you get a single session that's two minutes long with a parent yeah and get the formalities out of the way. You have two minutes to basically say, here's some advice. Yeah. Go. Yeah. Uh, first and foremost, right, this, this has to be about your child's experience, not your experience. Right? I, and I'll say this to parents. As soon as you're on the sidelines, have you ever noticed that as soon as the team is, you're, you're, the, the child's team is losing, that the refs, are, they've, been doing, they've been doing that all game ref? Right, yeah. uh, you you notice the tension change on the sidelines before you notice the tension show up on the field, and so I, I I try to tell parents I'm like, hey, when you're on the sidelines and you start to feel yourself emotionally, you feel that those emotions inside, that is your red flag that that this experience is no longer about your child, and it's only about you. So whatever you do and say from this point forward is only about you. It's not about your child and their experience. This is just you needing to deal with your own stuff. So that might be the time to take a walk. That might be the time to say, uh, obviously we all know about uh, not holding your child hostage in the car ride on the way home and, and, and forcing them to say, tell me three good things you did and three things that you, know, you need to improve on. You know? And it's like every kid is different, right? My, my, my youngest son, who's, who's a soccer player, I know to not, I do not initiate the conversation after a game, right? He's going to come to me when he wants to talk about the game, if he wants to talk to me. And guess what? If he doesn't want to talk to me about the game, 
we don't need to talk about the game. Because if I force him to talk about the game, all I'm doing is creating resentment yep. to, to he and I in that relationship anyway. Yeah. And so... I need I'm, to listen to this. I need to listen to this episode. And, and deconstructing that confidence. Yeah. And de- you know, here's one of the best things. I, you know, I, I, I've done a lot of parent workshops over the years. And I had a parent come up to me one time and say, hey, Travis, I really, really appreciate that. Can I tell you what I tell my child before every game? I was like, yeah, of course. He said, I tell my child, hey, play as well as you want to play. And I'm like, play as well as you want to play. Okay. Ooh, I like that. Don't play as well as I think that you can play or what I think you're capable of. Because guess what? What is the question? So so you're saying don't suck is not appropriate. (laughs) Like, damn. There's all these nuggets. I mean, like, there's all this this education we're getting. um, And we kind of got off the rails and we talked about Flint and then Principia. At some point in your life early on before all of this stuff that you've explained, you got into improv. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and that's really questions. the reason. It's the main reason. I, I, like, I want you to uh, explain to our audience what that meant for you and light bulbs that went off. And why is Whose Line Is It Anyway one of the best shows ever on TV? It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, 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 yeah, so I, you know, I graduated from college. I had a really mediocre soccer experience. I go back to my, go back to Flint and I, the assistant coach on my high school soccer team for three years where I'm just like, man, this was so much fun because it's about the relationships and I'm helping kids that I needed the help. That's like, you, you helped the way that you needed to be helped, right? And I, but you know, I, my, my wife and I, we get married right out of college. We moved to Boston. We're both working normal jobs. And uh, I always wanted to do improv comedy, but never took a class or anything in, in, in school. And we went and saw this this show opening weekend called Improv Asylum in Boston. Was it at Boston Improv? There was there's Boston Improv and then there's Improv Asylum. Okay. Right. So so I went. They had just opened. Um, went and saw the show, and like you know, I feel like I just watched one of the greatest pieces of art that I've ever <laughs> seen. Like these six people on stage playing off of one another. Highly entertaining. And I'm just like that's. I'm like you know I'm, I'm mystified. I'm like how do you do that? Like that's that's. That's like magic. How do you do that? And they're like, well, we have a training center. You should take a class. And I'm like, I'm stupid enough to like sign up for a level one class, <laughs> eight weeks. And all it did is it flipped on it flipped on its head everything that I thought I knew that improv was and then what it really is. And so light bulbs were going off because growing up in sports and I grew up in a family business and now I'm married and I'm working in a corporate environment and I'm like, all of these principles that make improv work on stage are the exact same principles that any great sports team should have or any great marriage should have or any great company should be operating under. I'm like, why does the world not operate there's, there, like there, this? There's a certain amount of cadence and creativity and, and impromptu trust. Yeah. yeah. There you have it. Yeah. Zero but, but, negativity. Yeah. But this kind of brings yeah. us full circle. Like right. I'm, you're, you're describing improv from a theatrical standpoint, basically. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and what I'm hearing when you talk about, you, you know, that synergy, when I think of soccer, uh, cadence is a word I use a lot on yeah. this show and just in life. And when you watch teams that don't have it, you know, you, yeah. you know, yeah. look, they're not clicking. There's no chemistry. So no. So how do you how do you like do you ever just like when you take on a client back to soccer? I want to talk to, about this for a second. Do you ever just watch them play and then feed off of that? And, and what does that look like? What is that process like? What are you looking for? You know, it, you know, maybe create some columns for us. Like, what are you looking for? What do you see? What does it mean? 
Yeah, from yeah. from the perspective of chemistry, cadence, Im- improv on the field. Yeah, and you know, I mean, bottom line, right? The, the, the reason improvisation is, is is able to happen on stage is because you know you said trust. You know, the, the the starting point for improvisation is yes and, and we can talk about that here in a moment. But the only reason that you're able to take the creative risks that you take on stage in improvisation is because I know that my partner has my back. No matter what I say, he or she has to say yes and. Well, if they're good, right? They have to adhere to yes and. And yes and is yes, I'm going to accept your idea and I'm going to build off of it, right? So, um, uh who, who wants to do an improv real quick? Anyone want to do an improv? Do it, Jared. Oh, Jared's all <laughs> Jared? Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Jared, Jared, you and I, we're going to talk about, you and I have plans this weekend, all right? Uh-huh. So, we're going to tell the guys what we have. So, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll make a statement to you. All you have to do is say yes and and build off of okay. whatever idea. So, you're going to give me an idea back, and I'm just going to say yes and and build off of your idea. Okay. And we'll see where our crazy weekend goes. And, Jared, I am so pumped about the road trip you and I are taking this weekend. Yeah, yeah, and um, what about when we stop at Wally's and and and, and you like beef jerky? So, yeah. what kind of beef jerky are you gonna get? Yes, and we're gonna hit every Wally's in the Midwest, and we're gonna we're gonna have a Slurpee and a beef jerky at every stop. Oh my gosh! And then when we finally make it up to Chicago. How bad do you dislike Chicago? Yes, and uh, <laughs> you told me that uh, you're going to go streaking on opening day at the Cubs. And, with- and maybe I'll paint 19th hole on my back? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And uh, uh, my, uh, my, my, brother, my brother-in-law is the he's, sheriff in Chicago, so he's not even going to arrest you. Oh, really? In one night in jail because of the right. Super I'm interrupted. <laughs> he's four for six for not saying yes and. But, you know, he's got the I know. He's got the I know. It's, it, it, it's, it's one or the other. It's yeah. implied. So even though he didn't say yes and. This so, is the Bertrand's verse. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you, teach, you teach yes and. You, teach, you force people to say yes and, but in its, in its practice, in its essence on stage, when it's done on stage, you might hear yes saying but it's all implied right and yes is acceptance yes is acceptance whatever my partner says to me i'm going to accept it as truth the and is not only going to accept it as truth i'm going to build off of it so now i'm working with you so all improvisation is no anything i say you've got my back so the mantra the improvisers work from my goal when i step on stage is to make jared look like a genius and guess what his mantra is to make Same. me look like a genius. Yeah. And if you come into the scene, I'm trying to make you look like a genius. Anyone that comes into a scene, I'm not thinking about myself and my needs. I'm thinking about you and what you're doing, which means I have to pay attention to you. Be unselfish. Unselfish, completely democratic, and we're collaborating. We're, we're co-creating it together on the fly, in the moment. And so I have to be so fully uh, focused and engaged with the choices that you're making is that not the perfect center mid- midfielder? It is. translates to company sports. <laughs> well, it, it, it's, it's what I love about it, too, and kind of going back to the confidence thing. If you can do that and be that vulnerable, even in a class, just the four of us, how uncomfortable I was watching you two, because it's like, oh, God, are they going to mess up? Because that's what the audience is doing. Yeah. They want to be entertained, yeah. but they're yeah. also waiting for the car wreck. Yeah. And, and, so, in, and in improvisation, there are no mistakes. No, exactly. <laughs> there so are no mistakes. There's that constant build. Every time, Jared me. No, but what I love about this is, man, I, I, I did improv for a while as well in college. Really? Yes. But don't, don't, don't get me started Do on it. Do you have it. any videos? Is it on YouTube? No, it's not. Nothing on stage. Just like yeah, and I call training in, yeah. in classes. Yeah. Yeah. Were you confident? No. <laughs> I, was, I was not. But when you can do that and, and you get a laugh or you get a reaction, um, that can really change 
how you view yourself yeah. in other set other settings. Yeah. Because if you can put yourself out there like that and and p- potentially make an ass of yourself. Yeah. But knowing that he has your back, that's a huge confidence builder. And whether or not we're talking about feelings or not, going then into training with that mindset, I think is huge. Or going into to class or going to work or whatever. I, I, I think this is a, a huge deal. I'm really looking forward to the Courage book. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, you know, the, the courageous, being courageous or play as well as you want to play today. Yeah. Yeah, those are little nuggets. But I have one final question. I know we're about to we're about to roll this thing out. Yeah. And it's one that's been bugging me for so, so long. Yes, and? <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so, <laughs> already got it. You already got it. You mentioned earlier, Travis, that, that there's a, a mental health awareness blooming and awakening. But there are so many successful people throughout decades of sports in particular that never had a mindfulness coach or even went to counseling or therapy. And I'm just curious, how do we get from the point where those folks, and we talked about Ted Lasso earlier, the Jamie Tarts of the world who who you know there are guys that we've had Dave Bursick, we've had guys on that had terrible relationships and still were successful. Mm-hmm. So how do you break that down where there's those those folks that have been successful despite the fact that there was no <laughs> focus on mental health or awareness or any of those things to a kid today where they're getting a lot more of that. So I'm just curious if you have, I don't know if I framed that very well, but I hope you you're picking up. I think so. What I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. Down. I mean, and again, I mean, <clears throat> who wants to hear, you know, when, when, whether it's from a coach or a teacher, and you're like, well, what about this? And you're like, well, if it was good enough for me back in my day, it's good enough for you now. And it's like, well, I mean, yes, there, there, there's been success forever, but, but aren't we constantly, you know, learning and growing and finding out, like, oh yeah, I mean, this super, this team was super successful. If we were able to, to, to have a little more psychological safety on this group. Imagine how much more successful it could be. Or you look at teams or you look at players that didn't pan out and you're like, wow, you know, if they if they had a coach that maybe was a little bit more empathic or who, you know, was was willing to to come down to their level, maybe that could have sparked that kid to to get to another level. Then, you know, you're, there's right. You know, like weeds are always going to grow through the cracks of, of, of concrete. It doesn't mean that the concrete is a great idea, right? So success is going to happen regardless. What we're constantly looking at from a performance standpoint is what can we do to, to create the soil so that there's even greater levels of success, not just for the few who, who are able, and, and we all know about learning styles. We know about personalities. Some, some people are going to respond different to, to different styles. And so that success is going to be there regardless. What we want to do is we want to expand the level of success for Love more that. for more people. Thank you. What was your favorite part of the World Cup in Qatar? Yeah, I mean, we, we definitely we, we hit upon you know what happened after the after the Iran match. Personally, yeah. like like yeah. just fun entertainment, food. <laughs> what was the best? Fun. Jared, Jared's like, always looking for the I, best like, uh, I, I culinary know, like, slash like, nightlife. I mean, it was sandy, but I heard it was really clean and the infrastructure was great. What was the best part for you of Cutter, other than the your trans, like the, your business and what you did with that team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Personally, yeah. I mean, the day 
day to day was pretty Groundhog Day, right? Because you're in the same hotel mm-hmm. and you're going hotel to training, training to hotel, ho- you know, hotel to game, game to. Ho- like we, we, you, you could kind of walk around where you were, but. Um, uh, you know, I, I think we, we built within the hotel this, this amazing players' lounge. And so, for the most part, there was so much downtime where you're just hanging out in the players' lounge. Mm-hmm. And all the guys, are, you know, it's, it was winter, right? So all, all the guys are playing f- fantasy football, right? So, everyone, <laughs> you're around, you're playing fantasy football. And it's just, it's the best part of sports anyway, which is the camaraderie. You're playing ping pong, you're, you know. You're watching games together, um, uh, getting coffee from our, the baristas we were bringing each okay. day. It's, it's, it was the players' lounge. My, my sure. last thing is, did beating the brakes off England in every game metric, how, how did that feel? Uh, that was that was pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, Travis, uh, for the listeners, give us a quick recap. Uh, they want to reach out. They want to learn more. Yeah. What's the b- best platform, social media and or otherwise? Yeah. I mean, I have a, a, a website that's outdated for about eight years called uh, LiveYesAnd.com. I'm all over <laughs> I'm all over social media at LiveYesAnd, um, uh, L-I-V-E-Y-E-S-A-N-D. Um, and I know we do have a lot of parents and, and, and players who are listening. And I don't advertise, you know, the one I one coaching, but um, I still like to do it. So if there's any anyone out there that they want to put a small group together and uh, interested in, in, in some coaching, I'm totally up for it. But yeah, I'm, I'm really, really accessible and always happy to to connect and answer questions and help as best I can. I, I noticed also, and I haven't listened yet, but I bookmarked it. Uh, how fun was John O'Leary a couple years ago? Oh man, John, John has become a friend of mine. Um, and there's no greater human on this earth than John O'Leary. And, um, you know, again, like I'm, I'm, I'm honored and humbled to, yeah. to, to be a friend and he's Mr. St. Louis in my book. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm so pumped for the, the movie to come out here within the next year. Yeah. Yep. It's coming down the pipe. Well, thank you very much, Travis. This has been a blast. Oh, dude. I appreciate it's it guys. A lot let's, of fun. let's do it again. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll definitely have you back. I think, uh, I think like round table. Yeah. I, I, I have some ideas. We'll, we'll draw some names out of the hat, bring some parents on, we'll do, and just uh, let Travis an just ream them for all doing done, all the wrong <laughs> shit. <laughs> That's what I do. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're out of here. Thank you for your time, Travis. We're going to catch you next time. Uh, Maggie O'Brien's, uh, thank you for hosting. Uh, explore STL.com. Go check it out for your hotel slash food slash concert slash all the above. Uh, Zach, as always took great notes tonight man you know i've never actually asked to read the notes you take every episode what do you do with them uh i keep them (laughs) (laughs) notes to nowhere (laughs) no i I do reference them i I do i do i do reference them if somebody is like oh like if somebody said something like i I wrote a couple of your quotes down travis and I'll, i'll go back to those and look back are they just for you they're just for me how come you don't take notes, Jerry? It's in it's in the trap up here. <laughs> it's in the beautiful, trap. Beautiful mind. Yep. Yeah. All right, we're out I'm, here. I'm hey. doing improv. Moving forward. <laughs> like, follow, share, review, do all that other stuff. Uh, it's free. We would appreciate it. And again, have your kid write the review. We want to hear what the kids think in uh, soccer carpool line and all that other stuff. So thank you for joining us. We'll catch you next time. We're going to roll out with another one of D-Town's own Iggy Pop. See ya. 